Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Science of Sports podcast with Professor Ross Tucker and sports journalist Mike Finch. Coming up in this episode... It's a high-risk sport to, to be part of and to work with. I'm paying you for podiums, I'm paying you for stage wins and jerseys. You must start delivering. So we, we try and encourage minimum sort of 9, 10, 11 hours of sleep a night. They are, they are just as, as, as prone to getting saddle sores as, as your weekend warrior. We don't trust anybody outside our own medical circle. 3,460 kilometers, 21 stages, five mountaintop finishes, and 30 uncategorized climbs. This is the challenge that awaits the top professional riders at this year's Tour de France. So what does it take to ride and finish one of the world's toughest sporting events? My name is Mike Finch, and as usual, I'm here with my co-host today, Professor Ross Tucker, and we're talking all about the world of professional cycling, and particularly the Grand Tours with Dr. Adrian Rotuno, the team physician at the for the UAE Team Emirates Pro Cycling Team. Adrian is a sport and exercise medical physician with a Bachelor of Medicine and Surgery, a Master's in Sports and Exercise Medicine, a Bachelor of Science in Physiotherapy, and a Bachelor's Degree in Physical Education. He is also a full-time clinical partner at the Cape Sports Medicine Medical Practice based at the Sports Science Institute of South Africa and also the consulting race doctor for the EPSA Cape Epic. Adrian, welcome. I know you're about to head off to the Tour de France in a couple of weeks' time. We're doing this a bit ahead of time. Um, how's it looking? You were talking a bit before we started the podcast about how hectic that race is to be part of. It's very different from the other tours that you've been involved in. Hi, morning, Mike and Ross. Thanks, thanks for having me today. Um, yeah, Tour de France is is uh, is the pinnacle of of world tour professional cycling. So, um, you know, often touted as the toughest race in the world, uh, it, it's got significant uh, pressure on athletes, significant uh, sponsor pressure. Um, it's watched by millions around the world. Um, it's it it's it really is in the in the eyes of the public anyway the the, the, the pinnacle of 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 and and the hardest race around the world so yeah the the, the pressure and the build up uh, to it is always is always intense and and uh, getting all your ducks in a row and, and regarding athletes is 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 critical. When we talk about cycling and doctors, of course, the one thing that always everybody thinks about is we've, lived, we've read so much in the media about these sort of things. When you decided to take on this job of getting involved in cycling as a doctor, did you have this kind of, I mean, it's obviously a tough decision because there's all these negative connotations around doctors and cycling. I mean, were you concerned about that when you took on this, this role, not only with the UAE team, but of course with Dimension Data for five years before that? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a very valid question, and uh, it's a it's not it's not a past tense. I was concerned. I, I almost am concerned. Uh, it's a continual um, thought at the forefront of my mind every time we are dealing with professional athletes, and and whether it's cycling or, or other sports, in fact. But obviously, given the nature of cycling and, and the history of of its doping culture, um, it's a high risk sport to to be part of and to work with, um, yeah. and particularly when you're at the forefront of the medical care. 
you know, um, if there's a positive or an athlete lights up for some reason, the first person they look at is, is the medical doctor or the medical team, essentially. Yeah. Um, and and so yes, you you know when you when you sign up and you 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 put, you put your pen to paper and and um, and you agree to work with the teams, <clears throat> you always take your your career and your reputation in your own hands. Um, and and yeah, so so it's a continual concern always. Um, and you know the, the best way that I could I could I justify to myself is is that I firstly I, I love endurance sport and I particularly love cycling and 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 the sport of cycling and the physiology and the medicine behind cycling. Um, and and uh, the the second thing and the most important thing is is that uh, to try and be as, as transparent and clean as, as, as possible. Um, and, and to make that, the aim is to try and make that as publicly available as possible. Um, so that the public, you know, in the past, the public has always called into question these conspiracy theories, et cetera, yeah. about the, the behavior of, of, of medicine and doping, et cetera. Um, and and my, my goal and our team's goal is essentially to be as open and as transparent as possible. And, and in doing so, Hopefully, you know we can we can navigate the way through that that minefield of of, of positives and, and come out the other side and saying actually you know we, we manage a clean team. I, I guess that there's always the sense from the public out there that there's pressure on doctors to be part of what they see as the sort of cabal of doping the the omerta that they talk about. I mean, is it did when you before you took on these roles, did you kind of look at this and say okay, I need to investigate this further so I don't put myself in a position where I'm pressurized into something I don't want to do? I mean, do you? you take due diligence in doing that or was it just having the right conversations with the right people uh i think it's both you know you 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 certainly have to do your background checks and you have to look who you're working with etc etc um and it's always difficult because again given the nature of support it's difficult to know exactly what you're working with 100 percent of the time so a lot of it is is you are taking uh, for want of a better phrase a leap of faith in terms of you know agreeing to work with people um, but you know, once you're in the system, you know the the aim is to try and get protocol in place where you you change it from the inside because that's essentially the, the only place it can change. Yeah, and that's kind of the goal. So, absolutely. Yeah, like I think most informed cycling people will link doctors to doping, and in their minds they will see Lance Armstrong and Michele Ferrari, right, sure. or Fuentes. Or even in the 1980s, even in the 1960s, the East German systems were really the first ones to introduce medicine to sports performance and preparation, and it was all doping related. So there is a stigma there. So what Mike's asking is, is I think, valid. So when you get the offer, what factors are you weighing up that would give you reassurance that you're not effectively <laughs> risking your own reputation by association? Mm. Yeah, uh, to to honest answer, not a lot. You know, we the, it's it's very difficult to predict or to go armed with with knowledge about who you're working with. And and yes, you've you've got the the you, you know we we we'll, you know about history. You can mm. you can you can read up and you can investigate and you and you can go armed with that knowledge. And definitely, I mean that's absolutely something we do. And 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 we make sure you know in terms of, of who we're working with and, and and how we work with them is 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 investigated to to the hilt. But yeah, you you do you absolutely take your 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 professional reputation as a as a doctor as a human being because essentially that's what you get judged on um, ethically, morally, whichever perspective you're looking at. Um, and and you you take it into your own hands when you work with with within this kind of realm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. Um, at the end of the day, you know, 
somebody has to do the job because you need medicine, you need and you need medicine in, in professional sport, particularly cycling. Um, and 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 uh, as I said, in terms of our protocol, we we aim to to involve pure science and 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 nothing else, no airy fairy stuff, and obviously no doping stuff. Um, and and try and apply that and 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 recreate a, a, a sort of a new chapter and going forward. Yeah. Um, and I think I think it's a new it's a new wave of, of of medical care, not just cyclists and cyclist attitudes, but medical care that's coming into the sport now. Where the last 40, 50 years has just been old school thinking, old doping culture, um, because it's the only way to win. Um, where science is now being infiltrated more into the sport, and um, and we're finding cleaner ways and 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 healthier ways essentially of 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 hopefully getting the same amount of athletes. Yeah. It's a continual testing ground. So you spoke earlier about the Tour de France being this pressure cauldron and you mentioned sponsor pressure. So how does that sponsor pressure manifest and how do you as a doctor insulate yourselves from that pressure to win? Because there will be countless scenarios in the past. We've heard it from people once caught that they came in with every intention in the world to be clean, this culture that you mentioned but then they're not winning. And the sponsor starts saying down the phone lines or in person, I'm paying you for podiums, I'm paying you for stage wins and jerseys, you must start delivering. And the easiest way to deliver would be then to give in to that temptation because you can look for pennies, but there's $100 notes on the table. So how do you insulate yourself from that pressure? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Because um, at the end of the day, the sp- you know, if, if there were no sponsors in cycling, cycling wouldn't, would cease to exist. Mm-hmm. And so you you heavily dependent on on that financial you know support um, as a team every rider gets paid it's 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 their profession um, and you know the 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 hardest thing in terms of 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 expecting a rider to perform if they're not performing is 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 forcing them to say well you know it, it, it's it's basically shape up or ship out and and the, the most difficult part about uh, about sponsors is is you know you exactly that you get the, the call down the line and often you know the, the the down the line of management where obviously sort of head management they will first get the call and say listen what's going on etc so the just to clarify the, there's pressure from sponsors and there's, there's obviously team pressure as well um because everybody's lines are on the jo- uh, uh, jobs are on the line with uh, w- with this if your riders are not Mm-hmm. Uh, performing so that's the one side but the other side is that if if you know if if there is a, enough pressure to where a rider is then forced to go and seek um uh, you know uh, doping in, in outside of the team uh, uh, environment where he goes on or, or she goes on, a, on on their own team to go and to go and um uh, you know start doping etc to improve performance the the issue with that then is um uh well i mean Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, the the you don't have any control over what they do outside of the team space. Well, that, that's yeah. that's one of the hard things to 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 manage. But um, and it's impossible. In fact, in fact, you know, you don't know because you you, you lose touch of the riders. But the, the if, if a rider comes back and they they are then doping, and they and they're light up on a doping test, what happens? The, the sponsor doesn't want to touch you, and they withdraw everything. Mm. So then the whole thing collapses. So, you know, the, it, it's a double-edged sword where the sponsor's putting so much pressure on that rider. Some sponsors, so much, anyway. Yeah, some sponsors. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not all, all of them are so yeah, nervous yeah. about doping, but yes. But, you know, the, the, you, know you, you look at team contracts when you sign with sponsors and, and the, in big, red, bold writing, that's the, one of the clauses is that any, any doping, it's absolutely yeah. a zero-tolerance approach and, 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 and sponsors mm. withdraw generally, I'm, I'm generalizing. But um, but it, so it's a very difficult position to be in for 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 team management for and, and and for the rider, and often the the 
so to in, you know back to your question in terms of of insulating myself in terms of medical care uh, i often I, I let the 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 science and the and the logic speak for me so and the facts basically so if a rider is sick or a rider is underperforming for whatever reason whether he's overtraining or overreaching there's a, a, a numerous variables as to why that rider is not performing well um you know that's the data you present whether that's just team management or, or to sponsors and and you, you, you can't make stuff up. You can't say, oh, it's because of this and go into the press and say, oh, you know, he, no, he actually, he, he had, uh, you know, some sort of virus or an illness and that, that kept him off when actually his performance numbers are just not good enough. Mm. And, and at the end of the day, my job is to present facts. And if the sponsor doesn't like the facts, there's nothing we can do about that, unfortunately. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, if, if a rider, a rider is human and if a rider can only perform to a certain level and at that stage in his career, he's only, he's only, you know, built up to a certain, a certain level, then so be it, you know, um, cycling, you know, what, what, what you often don't see is that cycling is a, is a, it's a, it's a, it's not a, it's not a snapshot sport. It's not a one season sport. And, and you'll see with other riders like, you know, look at Alejandro Valverde. Okay. He, he's got a, a slightly shady past, but he he's gone through phases where he's crescendoed and decrescendoed and crescendoed, et cetera. And he's now, you know, always, always a questionable guy, but you look at uh, Julian Alaphilippe, that guy in the last two years has had an absolutely, you know, phenomenal career, yeah. but, and he's, and he's, and he's crescendoing and he'll, he'll dip again. Yeah. Same thing with Tom Dumoulin. So, so everybody, everybody goes through these phases and it doesn't take one season. It can take two, three, four seasons to, to, to crescendo. So, you know, you, you often a rider gets judged on one performance. Um, and sponsor judge, team management judges, but you've got to step back and you've got to look at the global picture of that ride and say, well, what are his numbers? What are the facts? We know what he can do. That's why he's on the team. That's why we've got a contract with the guy. Um, but And he's not there now, but he may take only until 2020 Tour de France before we actually get that out of him again. Yeah. And that's 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 one of the hardest things to judge and to, to make people understand that it's not a snapshot sport. It is, it's not a one-race sport. It's not a one-season sport. It is a multiple-season sport over yeah. years. Do you get guys coming up to you and saying, hey, Doc, have you got some of the good stuff? <laughs> Amateurs? <laughs> have you ever had that? Um, it's mostly said in jest. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I generally just shrug it off with a laugh and don't say anything just in case uh, something gets, gets recorded. It's those amateurs that I worry mostly about, isn't it? It's those guys who want to beat their mates up the hills on the Sunday saying, can you not just give yeah. me a little bit of the good stuff? Nobody's going to bust me. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to be honest, that's that's probably my, in terms of doping, that's that's the area I'm most concerned about is where it's happening at, at not the pro continent level, but at the continent level. Yeah. And just under there, because it's that it's that level of rider that, you know, there's a, there's a thousand riders there, for example, mm. and only 1% of those riders are going to make it through, but those 1% have to be top of the 0, 0.1%. Yeah. So, so in order to get there, you know, the, the, the doping control at that level is, is minimal. Mm -hmm. uh, they have access to black market pharmacies and, and guys who are willing to make absolute fortunes and will make fortunes, mm -hmm. you know, dealing in, in, mm -hmm. in whatever products they're dealing with. So to get to crack up to the to, uh, through to the the upper echelons of those, those cycling worlds, uh, that's the risky. That's the, the target market, in fact. Yeah, um, and there's no, you, so less less control there as well. No, absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. When you when you get into the, the the upper echelons, that's when the control comes in. So yeah. you know, once you once you're in there, you've got a contract. You know whether you 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 can run with the big dogs. That's that's another question. But mm. without whatever you're taking, but um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's 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 always worrying, and particularly mm. with the weekend warriors. I mean, you hear stories often of 
you know, guys getting popped in, <laughs> in you know. Uh, in the 45 to 49 yeah, age group category. Masters categories, <laughs> you know. And, uh, um, and um, That's about ego though, isn't it, to a large extent. Just, I mean, there's yeah, no money you'd play in a lot no, of those age groups, it, isn't it? Absolutely not. There's, it's not a, you know, it's, it's a, what they are is they're frustrated professional athletes. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you still think you're 25 and you think you, you, you can perform like a 25 year old and you should have, you, I guarantee you 90% of those guys who do that are, are would sit at a bar with you and tell you about the glory days and, <laughs> and want to live in the past and, and, and live those days and still think they can do that thing, that, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, maybe it's also about body image at that stage, you know, staying fit and, and, uh, Cyclists are complex organisms, um, yeah. and there's a lot of factors that come into play. But um, uh, yeah, I mean the, the you know the, the health issue doesn't factor in. Yeah. You know the fact that you, you if you're injecting EPO for example and, and turn your 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 blood to sludge, uh, you know it doesn't matter about the health effects or the the spinoffs yeah. of that. You know you may have a family you've got to worry about. No, at the end of the day, it's winning the masters category. Well, let's talk a little bit about the health issue. I and mean, one of the yeah. big contra- controversies in this space, particularly, is the use of TUEs, uh, therapeutic use exemption drugs. It's probably the most widely sort of publicized in the last couple of years post the Chris Froome case. Um, just tell us about, were you sip of that? Um, kind of explain what they are and how relevant are they and should people be using them? In other words, I remember seeing a couple of uh, a couple of years ago uh, a poster up on a wall saying 13-year-old um, 13-year-old potential cyclist disappointed that he hasn't got asthma because he hasn't got the use of the yeah. TUE. I mean, it's, it's got to the point where it's almost become a joke within professional cycling. Unless you've got asthma, you're not going to be able to perform. Is that, is that, a, is that a fair comment? Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. I, th- I think, you know, with... Uh, TUEs is a you know in in the past it it was it was absolutely abused. The so maybe just sorry to interrupt you. Maybe just for listeners who aren't familiar, we can just explain what yeah. TUE means and how you fit into that system as a doctor, and then talk about its 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 abuse as doping sure. evolved and shed its skin to quote one expert to become something else, which I think is the big issue now. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so so a TUE is, a, is, is as Mark says, it's a it's a therapeutic use exemption. So basically, it's it's when a and not just in cycling, in any sport, obviously, wider the World Anti Doping Association has a list of prohibited substances that have been um, put on a list because they are performance enhancing. Um, either they are performance enhancing, they're either dangerous to health or they are uh, against the, the the ethical rules of of whatever sport you partake. Mm-hmm. So those are the three kind of reasons as to why they add add uh, drugs to that list. And um, uh, in, in terms of, of the, the, the TUE, so if, if a rider or any athlete is deemed to be ill enough uh, that they need a drug that is banned, the only way that you can get that drug is if, if a medical doctor then prescribes a, a therapeutic use exemption to say, rider X needs uh, X or Y banned substance because um, they are not well enough to perform. Um, and if they didn't have this drug, they would not be able to perform their relative event and therefore they need it. Um, and and that that's the basis of a, of a TUE and, and TUEs are, they should be anterior grade. In other words, you should apply for a TUE before you 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 give the drug to the athlete. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, though, it's retrograde. When, in other words, they they are given back. Uh, they are they are done post uh, ingestion of the medication. Um, and so you almost sort of think, is that coming out of is that more defensive or is that coming out of out of uh, legitimate uh, cause? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's where the doctor would come in and. And obviously, it's drug dependent as well. So certain psychiatric drugs, which are, which are also banned and, and considered stimulants or sedatives, 
those need to be prescribed by a psychiatrist. You can't mm. just you can't have a GP or any other doctor. It's got to be so certain drugs also fulfill or, or need to be uh, uh, prescribed by certain doctors as well. So there's a there's a slightly more detailed than that as well. Um, yes. Yeah, so in the past, then you know TUEs were were always easy to 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 do, and and often the TUE was kind of taken as completely valid. It must be true. Uh, no one's lying about these things. You know, the the, the 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 justification behind it has to be taken at at at, at face value and 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 believed essentially. For example, the Lance Armstrong issue with uh, you know he was, he was the, the the cortisone issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and and taking you know taking uh, cream for any any topical steroid is is allowed uh, because you you don't you know it's been deemed that the 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 systemic effect from a topical corticosteroid cream is not enough to be performance enhancing. Yeah. And it it's beneficial enough to be to help with treatment. So saddle sores, yes, cortisone is one of the treatments for it. Um, but you know you'd have to basically you know. Either in, I don't know, but either ingest that cream of or that tube of, of cortisol, uh, cortisone cream, or or inject it IV or take it orally, to to become positive um, on a blood test. So uh, topical doesn't necessarily wouldn't not. give you a positive result. Absolutely not. So yeah. so so and it's a prime example. Is okay. Well, well, hang on a second. We'll just write a TUE and say, well, there you go. It's a cortisone cream. Yeah. And they believed it, you know, yeah. uh, which is absolute nonsense. You know? So that's, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that you would use. I mean, in in your experience as a doctor, you would when athletes have saddle sores that you would prescribe that without any problem yes yeah. it, 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 it's completely it, medically needed but what's happening yeah. when they cheat it is that they will say they used the cream just if i'm paraphrasing you correctly they'll say they used the cream but actually they've used it or administered in much more powerful methods and therefore higher doses therefore performance enhancing yes but there was no oversight of whether it was legitimate or not Exactly, yeah. and that and that and that I'm talking past tense now. You know yeah. that, that 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 attitude and that 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 protocol has changed now, um, but but you know people have kind of wisened up to the fact that hang on a second, you know you you you, you will never be positive if you're just taking a cream. There's, it doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't compute. Whereas if you're ingesting mm. it or taking it some either your 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 modality of doping is incorrect or your volume of the drug is is and the actual type of drug is incorrect. Then you're going to light up, and that's what happens yeah. with him. Ross, I know you've got. I mean, you've got some views on this because you've written about this in your blog before about the fact that you believe that TUs should be banned completely. I mean, does it does something like a saddle sore cream not deemed to be something that is valid? Well, if it, if the topical administration of the, the corticosteroid isn't uh, going to elevate the levels in the blood, then there's no benefit from it. So then there's no problem, right? Which is why it's legal. But right, so that that yeah. doesn't then need the TUE. No, exactly. But when we're talking about, so what we're talking about here is the oral ingestion. So this is tablets or injections. So IV, oral. So so a typical scenario where that happens is the cyclist has allergies or bronchitis or some kind of infection, chest infection. Cortisone is used to treat that. Off they go. Now, my opinion on that, and I'd like to hear yours, is that part of being an elite athlete is staying healthy. So therefore, if you get so sick, that you are reliant on what is actually a very powerful drug to keep you on the bike and to keep you going, then you're probably too sick to continue. So that's why I remember saying that TUEs shouldn't be allowed because, A, they, they seemed to be abused. The system was too open to abuse. You can correct me on that. But the other reason was that I just saw it as against the spirit of what makes one athlete better than the other. So I remember, so then I said that, I wrote that in an article once and at the very next conference I was at, the medical director of WADA came up to me, a guy called Alan Vernack, who I'd met before, pretty nice guy, 
And he said he'd read that and he takes issue with it and he wants to tell me why. So he explained that what, what typically might happen is an athlete will compete in, a, let's say, world championships mm. and there's pollen in the air and they'll have an allergic reaction to that pollen. It'll trigger their asthma or some sort of bronchospasms and so forth. That athlete is going to run anyway. And so Ellen's argument was that by giving the TUE, you actually protect the athlete from potential harm. So I say, okay, I can see both sides of this particular issue. I still don't necessarily agree. But I think what it leads me to ask you, Adrian, is at what point as a doctor do you say enough? I'm not going to treat this condition because it's harmful for you to continue exercising as opposed to I'm going to treat it because it's less harmful if I did. Yeah, so um, very very valid points, and I think you know you 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 can exactly see both points of the of that of that argument. But I, I tend my my general approach is that is that I'm also against TUEs in general. Yeah. I don't think that they they are they warrant use in a, in a, in an athletic field. So when you're uh, you know when you are, are putting a rider on a bike for six hours of the day and they, their heart has to you know range between 150 and 200 beats per minute. Um, for for those that, that that five to six hour period, their bodies are in overdrive. Their bodies are, are are they are calling on all reserves physiologically, mentally, whatever whatever system you're looking at. And now you're going to go and put a rider uh, because of whatever pressures you know, like you say, like a World Cup event or and and it's 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 a pinnacle event, um, and they need to perform and then and a win is is is, is critical. Um, you're gonna you're gonna potentially, and that rider is now falls ill, <clears throat> whether it's a, a you know a bronchitis or, or or something else, where it's now becoming more of a systemic problem. Their health is called into question. My approach is is that absolutely not. That rider, if 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 you are requiring a TUE that is requiring oral or IV steroids, let's use that for an, for an example, um, they are not well enough to to partake in that event. Uh, irrespective of of where they you know irrespective of the event irrespective of, of the pressures on them um irrespective of, of the sponsors uh, wants and needs so right. because this is not for folks listening these are not <laughs> insignificant drugs this is not like going to the pharmacy and having the guy give you some over-the-counter anti-inflammatories or some paracetamol like cortisone injections and oil is a that's a pretty serious drug yeah absolutely and and, and so you know what what has it been abused in the past is that it's you know it's a it's, a, it's an amazing um you know it's a potent anti-inflammatory uh, it, it allows for healing, um, you know. So you, it numbs pain. You you can recover faster. You you get lighter. You you know there, there are numerous benefits for it, and and um, and and so that's why it is open to abuse. And and you know there's always been sort of it's it's been a little bit dodgy in terms of of its its validity in terms of is this allowed or is that allowed, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, in the past, and now there's more slightly clear cut rules. But um, but yeah, you know, my approach on 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 the that drug and and, and particularly in TUEs is that, you know, it's it's the rider's health is paramount. That for me is the is the first issue, and and that I will not jeopardize um, a rider's health because at the end of the day, back to the example of two hundred beats a minute, uh, you know, you the, the illness or the virus, whether it be viral or bacterial, and, and generally in these issues, it's uh, it's viral, and and those are the dangerous ones, in fact, because those are the ones that go systemic. They 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 cause issues with the heart. So you get you get viral myocarditis and other systemic effects. We get organ failure. And despite these these athletes being super conditioned, they are like thoroughbreds, you yeah. know. And and thoroughbreds get sick a lot easier than you know the the a non-thoroughbred animal. So so the the point is is that you you don't want to mess with with that. You potentially are ruining an athlete's career. Um, and and end of the end of the stage, we we see it often. We see deaths in particularly in the in mass participation events in race medicine. There are deaths of of people who are running ill. 
um, and um, and uh, and and the system gets it's, it's that it's that straw that breaks the the, the camel's back and it, it pushes them into overdrive and they don't have the capacity or the reserve to to fight it, and they become ill. So you potentially ruin an athlete's career. And then from from my side and and, and more moral ethical sort of standpoint, I I, I also will not give a drug to a, a, a rider that is going to um, give them advantage or benefit over another athlete or, or the rest of the athletes. And so mm-hmm. so. Personally, it's a it's a it's, it's a bugbear of mine, and I, I I we don't we don't prescribe those kinds of things. And secondly, um, it's against the nature of the sport. And 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 thirdly, that with with the social media and the and the, the you know the focus on the sport, the last thing that you want to do, and this is more reputational salvage, I suppose, is is be found to be giving drugs to an athlete and saying, well, hang on a second, who's to say that this rider was actually sick enough? You know, yeah. who, who makes that final call? Because the public are going to make the final call, mm. irrespective. Whereas I, you know, as the doctor, I've seen the patient. It's, it's obviously patient confidentiality, so I cannot share that information. But I could say this rider was legitimately sick enough. He therefore warranted this drug, therefore I'm putting him in the race. I, uh, you know, avoid that whole situation and say, listen, if he warrants the, the a drug and that, that warrants a TUE, absolutely pull him from the race. And, and so be it. And, and it's cycling. Yeah, and He will have a right, a, keep him. Get him better, and he will ride maybe the, the Vuelta rather than the Tour de France, and and still get results. And that's my approach. So just on that, and this is not a TUE issue, but isn't it incredible that that drug, for which you need a TUE in competition, is not even banned at all out? So this corticosteroid that we're talking about, these are legal outside of competition. Yeah, yeah. that's that to me is astonishing. Which hopefully is. is I hope that changes, but mm. just so for listeners the. Some some drugs are classified as banned only during competition, and in competition is defined as uh, Adrian. What's the cutoff afterwards? So it's usually within it's seven days before, uh, yeah, and then before and then right after, and then, and then straight after, yeah, yeah. So, so you just, could just you, just explain that a bit more for the average Joe like myself out there. When you say it's banned, not only banned in competition. In other words, there's seen as a performance and benefit for something in competition, but you can take it outside of competition even as a professional athlete. Yeah, and so when there was a there was an investigation done into cycling, I think in 2015-16, that CIRC report, yeah. and they got testimony from a lot of riders saying that this was the practice now, was to use these corticosteroids outside of competition. So as long as that cyclist knows that he's not in an event and a race within seven days, he can take this drug without any need for a TUE, without any need for disclosure, because it's not on the list. Yeah. Yet it still has the same benefits and allows potentially the training adaptations and other physiological advantages. And it's just, to me, extraordinary that this drug isn't banned outside of competition. I understand why, though. It's because it would create for them a logistical administrative burden of trying to monitor therapeutic use for 12 months of the year instead Maybe of just a lot events. of saddle sores. I mean... But again, you can use the <laughs> use the creams for that. It's anyway. It's just yeah. it's just a bugbear of mine that I just thought of as you were talking about it. You yeah. know, and then same is the same principle for you as regards painkillers. Yeah, so painkillers also a, a fairly hot topic, and obviously now with the recent banning of, of tramadol uh, as of, as of March this year, um, you know the 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 issue with 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 painkillers is that is that. Again, it's you, you. You potentially mask a lot of symptoms. So riders are in a sport that you are expected to be hard, expected to 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 push through and grit and, and show grit and and, uh, and and get through the pain. Uh, if you can help that rider do that, 
she's, you know, why not? Well, we're know? talking obviously cycling, but I mean, the scenario in rugby must be even more pronounced because yeah. a rugby player very rarely walks onto the field without pain. Mm. And at half time, he's in pain. Yeah. So where do you draw the line as a doctor as to what degree of painkiller would you prescribe? Yeah, so aspirin's I'll, fine, but where's the where's it not fine? Yeah, so it, it depends on the on the on the scenario, and it depends what the the rider is complaining of. You know, so if if you know, so you know, bottom line is that if if you know, paracetamol generally in terms of endurance sport is is one of the safest ones you can give. There might be some renal effects, but I mean, compared to what a, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory like your typical ibuprofens or your neurofens, etc. The, the effects on the kidneys and the, and the heart and, and, uh, and the vasculature are always something to be concerned about, which is why we always advocate in, in mass participation events, and particularly unconditioned athletes, you know, like doing, doing the cycle tour or, or, um, or the EPIC, um, you, you, you avoid those, those medications because uh, your kidneys and your body's not used to it. You get dehydrated. Uh, the the anti-inflammatories already shut down blood flow to the kidneys. So already you are, you are putting your body at, at risk. Um, and so, you know, I've had riders with at, at the Epic, in fact, who, who've he's broken collarbone, the bone is tenting the skin. And he said to me, strap me up, doc, and let me ride. Give me a Marpadol. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, yeah. just, just give me some drugs and I'll, I'll chew those every hour on the hour while I ride. And now you've got to, you've got to, you, 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 on races like that, you become a heartbreaker. Uh, yeah. and, and that applies to the professional cycling world as well. And, and you, you break the hearts of your fan, of the fans of the team, you break the hearts of your sponsors to say, well, this guy's got a, you know, a saddle sore, for example, that is that has become so severe that he cannot ride on a bike. He cannot sit in a bike. So what do you give him? Yeah, you give him numbing drugs. Fine. You, topical numbing drugs, oral numbing drugs, etc., etc. End of the day, that guy's going to ride for five hours on the bike, and he's not going to be able to, you know, you you, you might as well take a seat off the off the bike and, and ride with nothing because that is how painful it is, and you expect him to ride for another two weeks like that. Yeah. At the end of the day, you've got to just you've got to face rea- reality. You've got to examine that patient. You've got to say, listen, the the the, the benefits are, of this medication are, are are or the risks of this medication far outweigh the benefits. And your condition, together with with your examination, that that's going to make up my mind. So yeah, I don't you know the 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 general premise is that we don't there's no abuse of of pain medication. If they need something, we'll give it to them for, to get through. And generally, it's also timing of medication. Um, so, you know, you, you, you can give medication after they finish the stage and, and the night before, et cetera, so that they, you get the benefits of anti-inflammatories. But by the time they started the day at the race the next day, the, the metabolites and the dangerous sort of side effects are generally out mm-hmm. of the system by then. But you still hopefully have some of the, the, the anti-inflammatory or the pain, the pain uh, or, you know, improving effects of, of, of the medication. So, yeah, pain medication absolutely is, 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 is prone to abuse, uh, which is back to the tramadol. It's, uh, it's, it's the, the reason why, because it, it's sort of viewed as a gateway drug um, to, to take other substances. And also it, it, it's, a, it's a potent drug. It, it numbs mm. a lot of pain. Um, and so the view is that it's a gateway drug and also that, that you're potentially doing damage to your body should you push, wish to ride for 200 Ks and mm. push through a, a, you know, if you've got a cracked rib, for example, or a fractured spine, you can still ride. You know, when, so when I say fractured spine, I mean, uh, you know, like a small bone on the side of the, of the spine where it's a stable fracture. I mean, we've had riders in the past who finished the Tour de France and then afterwards they've had CT scans and, and three of the vertebrae have been cracked, you know, and, they, and, yeah. and, and, and they've just been living on pain medication. At the end of the day, if that's the case and the rider is too painful, uh, end of the day, that's the end mm. of the race, I'm afraid. So it uh, sounds like it's a first do no harm concept. That's what it boils down to. And that's... Yeah. 
TUEs and any other any other drug prescription. Yeah, and and that's the first so, premise of medicine. So you can know, you? So. Is there any way like that it's relatable to you then to think back to those doctors in the nineties when EPO was first being used and abused by cyclists without their knowledge? And these doctors are looking at this and saying, if we don't intervene here, we're going to actually like see our cyclists start hurting themselves, harming themselves. And so it seemed to me that doctors actually took ownership of doping for the protection of the cyclist. Is that is that a really distorted, warped view of medical ethics, or can you relate to it in some way? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think I don't I don't I think maybe only a handful of doctors did what you asked. Yeah, 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 no, the, for sure, it was a handful. Where, but where the that's... majority were the opposite. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, the majority were you know win at all costs, you know, and. And, and the, it also brings begs the question of whether they knew the side effects there. Right. You know, the, I, I, I don't think anybody was actually aware of of, of the, the the health risks essentially. Mm. So that's why the those drugs were freely applied and and uh, and dished out like smarties and and um, and and you know you know the question is 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 whether or not if something had happened would they would they have stopped? Um, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah. Whether whether doctors actually took hold of that at this at the time, I think that's where the that's where the seed was planted. That's where it started growing, yeah. and that's where the that's where the, then the research went in that direction to say, well, hang on a second, you know, what are the what are the effects of X or Y, um, and 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 people started waking up and realizing, hang on a second, this is not actually uh, beneficial to the rider. It's it's it, the, the 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 health risks are are. are are outweighed by the benefits, and it's not worth doing. And I think that's where it grew. But uh, yeah, I think the the converse or the opposite market of that was was by far the dominant factor. I think now it's it's the other way. But I think for the last sixty years, it's been been the, the converse. Yeah, I know we don't want to talk about drugs the entire podcast because there's lots of other interesting stuff we want to ask you. But one one final question from me with this thing like TUEs. If if for instance you're an asthmatic and you need a ventolin pump or something like that to get through a ride, if you're not a asthmatic, are you then going to get a benefit from an asthmatic medication? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, so you know the the question is you you need a diagnosis of asthma. Mm. You know if if so you know that and that's why we do you know every year we 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 do pre screening of our, of every single athlete and they do lung function tests etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, exercise provocation tests to see if there's a, a, a reversible airways disease, which is essentially what, what what asthma is. And if they have a degree of reversibility, and it's 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 proving to uh, the numbers are showing that hang on a second, their performance is is significantly being impeded by this reversible airways or this inflammatory airways condition. Then they then they would warrant it, and they diag- and they, and then they get diagnosed. Whether yeah. that's you know exercise induced bronchospasm, which is just sort of asthma in, in inverted commas uh, in relation to exercise or exertion, or whether they're not they have actual asthma, which is you know in re- in relation to other stimulants such as allergens or mm. pollen or animal. And that's dander. much more chronic. Yeah, you yeah. know whether they've had it since childhood. You know you can grow into asthma. You most most children grow out of it, but but you can develop it as an adult. 
Um, and often these riders are riding through different cities, different towns, and often in the, in the fields. Mm. There's, there, I mean, there's agricultural fields everywhere. So there are a lot of, there's a lot, there are potential allergens floating around everywhere. Plus they're also in aeropans the whole time. So in metal tubes with a whole lot of other, you know, potential stimulants. <laughs> and plus they, they often, you know, riding, the, the season of riding is, is, it starts in January. In Australia, which is hot, obviously, but then it moves over to Europe for the for the classics, and that's still freezing cold. Mm. And one of the classic stimulants is for airways diseases is um, is cold air, and and you're breathing in that cold air, and you're breathing in it rapidly because you're obviously you know, you're mm. not humidifying it through your nose, so you your your air just your your mouth sucks in all the air, and and, and that's just pure unfiltered ice cold air, mm. and and often you you get affected. So race it's also race dependent, but but you know if 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 a rider is asking for a ventolin and is not a known asthmatic in the team, then you need to start asking questions. And and it's not justified. Um, it's not illegal um, mm. because it's a, it's, a, it's a legal drug for anybody. It's not only legal for asthmatics. You're, you know, it's a legal, it's a legal yeah. drug as long as the dose is not above a certain amount as, as per the, the, the Froome case. But um, the, the, the question that I would then ask the writers is, well, hang on a second, Let, let's talk about your symptoms. It's not just a one-off thing. You haven't got a, a common cold, or you just got a, a mild, you know, post-nasal drip, where you've got a little bit of a cough. Um, therefore, let's give you ventilin. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of cycling is a, is a sport that is that is steeped in in uh, mythic mythical <laughs> sort of ideas and and old school thinking, and it's very hard to break that. And 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 us as a as a sort of relatively modern medical team have come into this ancient relic of the sport. And, and we, we're trying to crack open these old wives' tales, for, for want of a better phrase, and, and, um, and it's difficult. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things is that, is that Ventolin is, is something that's going to open your chest. Even uh, if you're not asthmatic. Even if you're not asthmatic. Okay, yeah. so there is a so, performance benefit if you're taking it and you're not asthmatic. Well, it's going to make it, you better see, on the day. It, the, the question is, if you have asthma, yes, yeah. it's going to help you. Yeah. And fair, fair enough, it should help you because you, you cannot perform you know, with a closed Optimally, airway. Yeah. Whereas, whereas if somebody doesn't have asthma, it's not going to do anything. You don't have a reversible airways disease. And, and, you know, I'd rather try and block you from the, unblock you from the top and give you nasal things and, and, and options rather than, rather than, you know, well, an, an inhaled, uh, uh, drug as it were, whether that be a steroid or a, or a, uh, or a ventilator. Um, and so, so, you know, the, back to that question, I would say to that, well, then we need, we possibly need to do lung function test or full workup do a, a symptom history, when are you getting these symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and again, you know, you, you just want to avoid all of any unnecessary, you know, one, one, any unnecessary press as well, because one, one, one snapshot of the Tour de France of, of a rider taking the ventilant puff, as you've famously <laughs> seen the Chris Froome ones, which he is supposedly has asthma, but, um, you know, of a rider, one of us who, who doesn't have asthma and the public knows, you know, well, hang on a second, this rider doesn't have asthma, what's going on? Yeah. And that's wildfire, you know. Well, that's, um, you see, and that's the problem again. And it comes back to that word you used earlier about transparency. Because mm. the public is informed enough to join the dots. And one of the dots that they use is the, is the non-disclosure. So you'll read athletes' autobiographies and there's no mention of it. Yet then you'll see them taking the pump and they say, I've had it since I was a child. But see, those things don't compute. So again, there's an absence of transparency and I think around the TUEs, around doping, around all these medicalization issues, if there was a degree of transparency, I think it, would, it wouldn't reassure people, but it would go some way to buying back some trust. But now as a doctor, transparency is in conflict with confidentiality. So that's another tightrope for you, right? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, 
cycling is 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 had a history of of keeping cards very close to one's chest, whether that's athlete data, uh, you know, physiological data, blood parameters, whatever you you you're doing, because nobody else wants other teams to know secrets. And yeah. I don't want mm. anybody to know. Well, hang on a second. Why is mm. this team doing so much better? What is your secret? That's that's the eternal question. When you're driving in the bus, you look at that bus. <laughs> what's that? What are the, what's their secret? And secrets go right down to bus drivers. Why is that guy's bus so much faster than my bus? Yeah. You know, and, and it's amazing. It's 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 this it's this sport of absolute secrecy in a complete public eye. And so it's this contradiction. And and I think that um, you know, as as a me- exactly to on your point, Ross, in terms of confidentiality, we obviously medical wise and medical medical uh, patient information, the right information, we can't share that publicly. Mm. But things like you say, like if somebody is suspected or you know claims to have asthma, for example, which is a childhood condition generally, and there's been no mention of it in the history, and then all of a sudden it comes out, you know, when they get popped for for uh, an asthma drug, well, where does this come from? And that just it, it just smacks yeah. of smoke and mirrors, and there's no exactly. there's no transparency, exactly. no, no transparency. And I think, and that's so, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if I'm an, it's easy for me to say this because I'm not. But if I were an elite athlete, I would publish my lung function tests. Yeah, I would think. take ownership of this and I'd put it out there. I'd publish my training data, I'd publish my performance data, mm. and everyone says, "Oh, you can't do that because then they know what it takes to beat you." But if I'm racing against Usain Bolt, I know what it takes to beat him. I have to run nine point seven one seconds. It's not helping me do it. So the whole the whole rationalization for secrecy for me also falls a little bit thin. Training data, maybe I can see you wouldn't want to publish that until after the fact, because that's a in theory a source of a competitive advantage. But yeah, you could mimic that and try and get yeah, the same results. But right. it's a, at the end of the day, the, no rider is the same. Exactly. So actually, yeah. in, in, I remember there was a rugby team in the nineties used to publish everything they did, mm. because they would say, "Well, our rivals will copy us, and we'll evolve, mm. so we'll keep them one year behind." every year and it was actually by publishing it that they forced people behind them so i'd I'd, yeah the transparency thing's another bugbear for me and and the only thing worse than not being transparent is promising it and not delivering it and that's all that's happened in cycling for the last decade is you know even armstrong when he came back i'm going to work with catlin we'll publish everything never came out Henao fails with these suspicious blood we'll we'll commission a study and publish it never comes out so it's hard for the public to buy into this until they see it done, you know? It's a lot of talk and very little action. Absolutely. And our, uh, our, our so, you know, our, our approach, and I say this, you know, the, 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 our, we as a medical team looking after our team now, have an, uh, have an, uh, we want to be a, a, as complete and transparent as possible. So, you know, certain, you know, if, if there are certain issues called into question where we have identified a, a, a rider's parameters as being abnormal, our protocol is straight away, we pull that rider from the race internally, as is, you know, whether the UCR flags it as well, but if we see something, and that's why we do very close monitoring, we will pull that rider from the race, we'll conduct our own internal investigations. And whether that means, you know, you, you, you pull a rider and we do our own internal testing and we, we, we put him at altitude, we put him down at, at back at sea level and we, and we do serial measurements because mm. again, it's, it's not a snapshot. You, you can never do a snapshot value mm. because, yeah. you know, if a guy's come off a training camp, uh, his, his, his blood parameters are gonna be sky high and you can think, well, hang on, is that alien or is that, is that just his natural reaction? Is he a fast responder? Is he a slow responder, etc. Whatever the, the issue is, but you do serial measurements and you do a complete experiment and then you make that, that data public, which is what we plan to do. So, you know, we, you know, the idea is, is that we want the, the, 
the, the numbers to, to speak for themselves. And, you know, you're always going to get your naysayers and say, well, hang on, this is not real data, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, the bottom line is we can only be as transparent as, as possible. And our idea in the, in the new era of cycling, if you can call it that, uh, is is to be as 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 open about that because we it's again it leads back to mm-hmm. reputation, leads back to sponsorship, leads yeah. back to all the, the foundations of our of the sport. And and if if you don't have that, you just have this continual cloud of mystery, and 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 doubters, and the sport just goes down and down and down. Yeah. And it's it's the trajectory of it, unfortunately, is just continuing. But uh, you know. Yeah. Still to come. How do you use the doctor to ensure that the, the rider is getting uh, enough nutrition and enough volume? And because no one can physically fit that amount of food in our perennial areas are, are so conditioned. Um, you know, it's like us sitting in an office chair every day. You know? Let's move on to the actual the mechanics of dealing with the team throughout something like the Tour de France. One of the interesting things is how you monitor this load versus recovery scenario because every day those riders are doing massive kilojoule burns and massive fatigue. How do you make sure they stay healthy for three weeks? It's a long time to be healthy for, especially when your body's under load. Not just for three weeks. I mean, six months months leading into it. So the preparation, I would think, load monitoring is even more important because if it's week if it's day ten of the Tour de France and your 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 data is telling you the rider's overloaded, that's too bad. Well, how do you know <laughs> the rider's overloaded? I mean, he's, I mean, he's on the bus; he has to yeah. keep going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I know that we the average person will say if you wake up in the morning and your heart rate's more than twenty beats per minute, you shouldn't go and exercise because you're tired. <laughs> is it as simple as that in the professional space? Yeah. So you know, if, uh, no, no, it, it definitely is, is is more complex than that. And yes, exactly. I mean, Ross, you're hundred percent right. It, it's not just and like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's not a one-season event. You know, we, we'll have a ride and we'll say, right, we are planning for the 2021 Tour de France for you, you know, now. Uh, mm. and, and so if you, for example, have a 21-year-old rider, you're not going to go and subject him to the, the hardships of a three-week Grand Tour. You're going to say, right, this is your build for this year. We're gonna, and and, you, and you, you build in a very crescendo, decrescendo kind of way where they peak uh, towards, the, towards their races. And this is all very, very clinically and clearly outlined in the beginning of the year, in the beginning of the season, which, which actually happens probably in October of the year before. And is there, a, is there a multidisciplinary team that does that? Or is it coach, sports scientist, doctor, one of the three, all three? Like do, do you have a group of – like what does the team look like that then – do you have a sit-down meeting and say, right, let's talk Dan Martin two years? Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, uh, at the end of the day, the, the, the job of the team doctor is, 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 is health. Is, is providing health and that and that that's acute health in in terms of back to your question Michael on, on a three week race is maintaining that health yeah. but it's also chronic health and it's long term well being so it, we monitor these riders twenty four seven three hundred sixty five days of the year and and how it works is and we our, our system is is that each 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 doctor gets assigned uh, or each rider is assigned a doctor and that that rider has access to that doctor twenty four seven so we're permanently on call. Uh, and yes, I've gotten calls in the morning, three o'clock in the morning for a stub toe, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and uh, or for some nausea and vomiting or, or diarrhea, whatever the issue. And trying to talk a patient or a rider through that at three o'clock in the mornings, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you said riders are assigned to a doctor. How many doctors, how many riders? What's the so, ratio? How does it work? Yeah. So, so you know, in average, on an average team, you've probably got 27 to 30 riders. Um, and depending, because I mean, we in our schedule we have to cover over 340 race days in a year, sure. so you're looking at more than practically a race a day. 
And um, so we have six doctors on our team. Uh, we have four South African physicians um, and we have two uh, foreign physicians, one based in Italy and one based in Germany. Um, and it's, 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 you know, obviously being geographically where we are on the other side of the world, uh, it's difficult for us to always get there. So we have, uh, we have the European based side who then can cross borders quickly and get to races quickly, et cetera, or if something's gone wrong, they can, they can hop across or alternatively the rider can make their way to, to their yeah. respective clinics. Um, but on that as well is that over the years, we've built up a, a very intricate network of, of referral systems and doctors, not only doctors, but multidisciplinary. So physios, uh, biokineticists, um, uh, dietitians, et cetera, who we have access to. Um, and um, and, and they're, they're also in Europe, it's not like South Africa. They're in Europe, they're very cycling centric. It's a very, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a cycling centric sport, yeah. but uh, a continent, but, but uh, in, in Europe, there's a lot of cities that are, that just naturally draw cyclists in, like Girona, for example, is one of them. Um, that that just you know any any given day you'll see uh, you know a peloton of professional guys training on the on the on the climbs around there. Mm-hmm. So you 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 tend to also uh, put a lot of fingers in 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 those cities to say, all right, hang on a second, we've got a physician here, we've got an orthopedic surgeon there, somebody who we can link in, somebody we trust, obviously. Um, and then we build relations like that. So if a guy crashes, uh, you know. Uh, I'll speak to him off the race and, 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 you know, by the next day we've arranged surgery, for example, in Germany and, and he's operated on two days later and, and his rehab starts. And, and so it's all about expeditious diagnosis, expeditious treatment and, and, and then rehab all in the aim to get that guy back to, back to health. Because the problem with that is that fine, you've got a team of 30 or 28 or whatever you've got. Um, but, but if you pull one guy out, it has ripple effects, not only on his race and his, his race program for that year, but it also has ripple effects on everybody else's program. Cause now you've got to whip a guy out of the, you know, the Vuelta and put him in the Tour de France rather. So now his whole race program that you talked about in October is now completely mm-hmm. on its head and you, and you have to adapt and, and move along like mm-hmm. that. And, and with that goes in training, it goes nutrition and, and, and particularly health. Um, because now you're saying, well, hang on, this guy his training program is crescendoing towards a certain point, but now you, you've taken him back and you put him in into a massive three-week stage race, you know, six weeks, a month, two months earlier than he was supposed to. What is his health going to be like? Is he, in a, is he in a condition? He may be in a dip, et cetera. He may have come off a hard block of training. Yeah. Um, and so these are the factors that you have to, to continually monitor. So, yeah, back to your question. We all sit in, a, in meetings and we, we discuss each rider. Uh, at the end of the year, you have a race brief where you... Who's we in those meetings? Does it include so, the coach or do so you coaches, separate the... Okay. Coaches, doctors, it's a medical team, coaches, uh, director, sportifs, uh, okay. and, and general management, obviously, because they, they have a say. Mm. Um, and, and, then, and then... And those are and effectively right. alignment meetings. Absolutely. That's Every, what they everybody are. Everybody needs to be on the same yeah. page. Uh, and most importantly, that the rider is happy in terms of his program for that year. So, right, these are the races that we think are suited for you. And that's where the, the coach and the, and the director will come in and say, we know what kind of rider you are. For example, if you're a classic specialist, we will then build you up and, and, and put you in X, Y, and Z race to say, right, and, and then we want you for Milan San Remo or we want you yeah. for, for you know, the Ardennes Classics or whatever it is, and, and, they, and that'll be the goal. And then you'll, you'll come off and you'll, 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 you'll go on the, on the afterburners for a while, and then you'll build up again to the next uh, set of races. How do you, so, so just by way of background, I've done a little bit of work in another sport with a team, and one of the big challenges medically they face is lack of alignment. So what happened, for instance, with them is they had two ACL ruptures within about two weeks. Mm. One of the players got treated sort of in-house. The other one said, I'm going to go use my own doctor because he speaks my language. I'm more comfortable. I'm going to base myself at home. Those two players returned to play two months apart. So they lost control over the medical management of one of their players. 
because of his own preference. How do you uh, manage against that? And is it quite common that a rider will come and say, this is my coach, this is my preferred doctor, or do you just say, no way? You ride with this team, these are the people you work with. Yeah, it is it is interesting because it's a, you know, how do you, how can you be so prescriptive in that kind of, uh, you know, scenario where you will say, this is your doctor, this is your coach, and you fit in, basically. Um, again, it leads back to the, the, it's a sport of distrust, essentially. Mm. And and uh, what, you know, we, we as a medical team, have a have a very very low threshold in terms of, uh, of 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 trusting people. We 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 also as I say high threshold. We we don't trust anybody outside our own medical circle, and our 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 premise and our our protocols and our promise to the riders is that we will look after them twenty four seven three sixty five. They will not have to worry about a thing, provided that the the communication from the rider is paramount that mm. they are provide early communication irrespective of language and obviously it's a global sport we're working with multiple different languages we've all had to you know put uh, duolingo on our phones and and google translate and <laughs> you name it and we, we 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 get by but um at the end of the day we we have promised that the rider that, that they will receive expert medical care and they do not need to go to anybody else so at the initial Part of part of that is and 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 coming on as a new team obviously is because also you know coming on as a new team uh, and an Italian based team uh, where things are done in a, in a very specific way it's difficult to to break the old patterns yeah and um, it's 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 uh, important because what we've just been talking about for the previous half hour is if you lose that confidence of the guy then he goes off and does his own thing and then you've lost control and your reputation is all at risk. So and, that's and, a big deal, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you lose training days, you lose... And at the end of the day, you, you could potentially lose, lose a grand tour because of, of mismanagement like that. So we 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 have a... It's exactly that. We have a... a, a it's a, a basically a, a, a no-tolerance policy to, to seeking external medical advice without the go-ahead of your own medical team. So if a guy wants to go and get a checkup, for example... Uh, you know, a, a, a cardiology exam, for example, and, and we, we have cardiologists that we use, but it's a guy that that, um, that we will investigate and we will know and we will trust, we'll say, right, that guy in Norway can go and get a have a cardiology exam, that's okay, we'll get the full report, we'll talk to the doctor, etc. So we, we, we've created that sense of trust in the beginning and we've said, you know, we have a, we have a, a scientific approach to, to everything medical and um, we, we, we will promise you absolute 100% expert care 24/7 and 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 you need to trust us on that. And then so we are prescriptive in saying this is your doctor and this is and then we we've developed an algorithm. So if that if that that rider has a complaint and and he he contacts his doctor, we then say right if you, if you don't hear back from your doctor within a 4-hour barrier rule, it's a 4-hour barrier rule that we say well then you go to the next in your algorithm and you go to the next doctor. And within 4 hours that that rider will have an will have an answer. And generally it's 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 far shorter. It, it's it's usually within half an hour that, that we've made contact with that rider, and um and and so that they feel that they are are, are being looked after because, you know, it, it's a global sport and and trying to trying to you, you you can't you can't keep fingers on your riders all the time. So comparing it to example like football or rugby where you've got a stadium and everybody is in the same sort of geographical location. Um, probably 99% of the squad and the, the, not necessarily the players only, but the, the team as well, uh, the staff and management all live in that same city. Mm -hmm. And so, so you've got access to medical care, you've got a setup, you've got, 
You've got, you've got you know, uh, a chain of networks that you can use immediately at your fingertips. And then you might travel, go play a game you know, for, for three days and you'll be back again. So it's, it's very short-lived and very focal. Whereas coming, talking about cycling, it's, it's, a, it's a global sport and you, you're racing so much around the year and the only contact time, physical contact time you have with, with that athlete is at a race, uh, at a training camp, um, and and then the rest of it is is, is digitally over t- telephone or or, yeah. or or email, and um and 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 so trying to trying to keep fingers on athletes and monitoring health has become very very is very very difficult, um and and that's where communication and trust comes in because the the first port of, hang on something's wrong the first port of call that rider must come and say well who do I phone, and, and it must you know we we we've got to be under their favorites list hopefully. so so managing a uh, an issue when something's wrong is one thing. But do you have daily communication where they will fill in online questionnaires, sleep, wellness, recovery, symptom type stuff, um, or is it weekly, or is it does it not happen at all? No. So yeah. So so we we monitor. It's it's load monitoring, which is your inter- internal and external load monitoring. So you know, obviously your your, your the internal stuff like like sleep, physiological uh, parameters, uh, appetite, uh, mood, um, you know, uh, travel status, jet lag, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, those we monitor and we, we keep tabs on that and we, and we compare that regularly to the external data. So all their training data, their, their, their race load, et cetera, their, their, their number of race days. Mm. Um, and, and you have to correlate those two. And they basically, and then we do every week, we do a, basically a, a, a physiological um, a test, an SFT test that then um, does, um, it, it basically what happens, it, it's, it's recorded on their garments or, or whatever device they're using and it gets uploaded. And the coaches and the doctors can have a look at that and see how they're performing because that's a build essentially and it, it, it gives us weekly data. That's like a baseline test. Yeah. In yes. words, so it tells you where they are. Just yeah. tell us a bit about how that works. Yeah. I mean, what is the, so what it's is the test? a standardized power outputs yeah, and you basically. measure the heart rates at that power. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you monitor those, those figures and you, you, you can then see how they're progressing. And you get you get valuable data out of that in terms of where's that rider right now. And is that a, is that a flat? I mean, I'm supposed to be pedantic about it, but is that a flat out test or a moderate effort level test? No, it's a flat out test. Flat out yeah, test. Yeah, okay. They go. They go. They go. And they it's go weekly. Hard. Yeah, we try and do it weekly with them, and they do it. You know, the ideal time to do it is, is before a race, in fact, mm. uh, because then you can you can say if it's a week race, for example, the Dauphiné last week. You do it just before uh, the, the, the before two days before, so you can say, all right, hang on a second, we kind of got a snapshot into where that rider is right now. And the, the, the and you nice, can say whether they're recovered, whether they're overtrained, or whether they may be undertrained. Yeah, I mean, ideally, three parameters. ideally, you 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 want to know all that stuff before. You, know, yeah. you don't just want to get it from that one test, right. and you'll know that because you, you you're monitoring the, continually. I mean, our coaches are yes. our coaches get the data. The data literally gets the minute they finish their ride, it gets auto uploaded to to a cloud, whichever platform uh, you use. Uh, we use Training Peaks, and and it all it all gets literally the the, the coach can sit in his office and uh, and 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 analyze all the data, and then feeds back immediately to that rider and says, "Listen, you 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 did perfectly well. You 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 followed the the, the program, etc." And and so the build goes, and then we right. get that ser- those serial measurements, and you put that all in a graph together, and it, and it spits out either a very nice picture or it spits out a very worrying picture. And generally, you want your your internal load monitoring with your external load monitoring. Those graphs must almost be sort of superimposable, yeah. Because then you know that you are that you are you're heading in the right direction, um, and and the build towards a particular race is, is going in the right direction for that rider. Yeah, and then and the numbers are. It's really important you interpret the numbers in the context of the qualitative 
feelings type stuff. Yes, exactly. So then you that's the context that's provided you, there. You, you, and you have to have to match those. You can't yeah. take because there are so many different variables and confounding variables that you have to take all variables and compare them. You mm -hmm. can't just take one variable and say, oh, hang on a second, this guy's power is 400 watts for 10 minutes. You know, wow, it's amazing. He may, you know, the next day he's going yeah. to be nowhere. What's the context? You know, That's so, the point. And exactly. Yeah. So, so it, it's a, it's a, it's a very complex system, and, and these need weekly analysis, and that's what that's what we do, and and that all ties in very sort of neatly, hopefully most of the time neatly, but with health, mm. because if that's all going in the right way, generally their health does does move in the right direction, but again, you know, with with as you know, with any load like over a three week tour, like you're saying earlier, trying to keep a rider healthy for three weeks. It's very difficult because the as the nature of the sport is is the first week is 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 hard and 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 your so your body is pushed into overdrive, and and it's 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 the open window theory. I don't know if you've, you've heard of the open window theory, but it, it's basically as you as your exercise load goes up, um, your risk of infection uh, uh, also goes up. So um, with 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 moderate load exercise, your your you generally are okay in terms of your immune system. With low exercise, your immune system is generally functioning fairly well. But as that load progressively goes up, um, so your your risk of, of particularly viral infections goes up. So your graphs cross. No, because your immunity, autoimmune system is not operating optimally. Yeah, it, it, load. it gets tested basically, yeah. and 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 so so your immune system is is, is now firing, at, functioning at a, at a at a lower rate than usual. Right. Um, because your body's fighting other things every day. To put it in a in a sort of a fairly simplistic way, is if if you are if you you exerting yourself at you know two hundred k's a day, two hundred beats per minute. Six five six hours mm. every day, your you things are going to break down, um, and and but not not every rider does that. I mean, at the end of the day, in the Tour de France, each stage will suit a certain kind of rider. So for the GC guys, they might ride all the flat stages and the medium mountain stages in the bunch, mm. and relatively to their overall effort, they're going to be at a low effort. Um, and then when it comes to how mountain stages, a guy like Louis Mankies, for instance, will be wanting to make a big effort there. Is that is that generally what happens? In other words, riders have rest days even within the race. And are they are you in charge of saying, okay, well, we could look at the schedule. That guy needs to give it some stick today. The next day it's going to be that guy, so he needs to rest there and sit on the bunch on that day. Is that is that how it's planned from medically as well? So that, it's not that's not my role. The the, the 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 what you've described there is the role of the director. Yeah, but you'll know who's recovered or not. So my role in relation to that is to say to the director, right, this guy is, and also look at our, our position in the race. You know, so are we in the leader's jersey, for example? Because if you're in the leader's jersey, Everyone's your team, has, everybody, day. everybody, <laughs> and, and it's mm. basically not pleasant for anybody because you've got to work the entire time. You've got to chase the brakes. You've got, you, you've got to make sure that you you, you maintain a, a healthy a healthy lead. But but you know so so that obviously the race situation is a factor. Yeah. But but my my link to the director is to say all right this rider has been riding on the front all day. I'm a little bit worried he hasn't recovered uh, for whatever parameters I've measured or and I've clinically examined him. I'd say well he hasn't recovered. Um, is there somebody else who tomorrow then can can sit in the front and give him a bit of a rest so he could sit and he still do some work yeah. as per normal. But he's not going to be pulling and he's not going to be full gas, putting himself out there and and, and burning every match he has because. Yeah. I have to get him through to th week yeah. three. Because in two days later, he's sick and he's out. And that—that's the point. Yeah. And and yeah. so so you you've got to. It's a very fragile balance. You've got to monitor these things. You and and so it's 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 a chess game, and you've got to you've got to move your pieces very carefully. Um, and and you you know you go in with a plan for a grand tour, but it very really plan A very really works out. There's always yeah. you know plan B, C D up to Z. You know with with mm -hmm. cycling, and yeah. it, and it, it doesn't it doesn't. And, and how do you monitor? that person that's tired how do you know that that person is tired 
and therefore needs a rest. Yeah, so so I mean, you know, so what we do every day in the tour is is obviously you know monitoring the load up to it. And every rider that we've selected for the tour, and the selection, as I said, would have happened in October. Generally, obviously things change. There's injury, there's illness, there's you know mm. situations change, but we have a general skeleton or general idea as to to who we want in the tour, uh, where management and directors and coaches will have decided. Um, in the build up to that, we'll we'll be monitoring health and say, right, this guy's health is okay but you know for example the dauphin last week had a really rough week he's got some viral infection let's let him rest now we, we we try and recover him as much as we can he'll have lost a few days so maybe going into the tour he's not going to be good in the first week but you know hopefully in the week two and three he he, he then starts to to build up um uh but during the race um yeah so so during a race then that's that sorry that's the week up and then, yeah. and then the, the, the build up and then during a race you know, it starts every day with with basically a, a, a you start every morning with a morning ward round. So you you physically see that rider, um, and then in in a grand tour stage, we want to monitor weights and and urines and things. So every morning, I get a little delivery of a urine parcel from each rider. I every morning, every morning, really? every wow. morning, yeah. and that's being tested for, I guess, specific gravity, so uh, exactly. which is an index of hydration status. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so we don't. It's, there's nothing, nothing other than that. It's just it's it's specific gravity, which basically tells me if that rider has been hydrating adequately enough, and he's always recovered his hydration levels from the day before. Um, and and then they'll guide management. You know, you say either you're fine, or, or you need to drink a few uh, more fluid, replace electrolytes, whatever the the the, the management is. We then measure pre-breakfast weights. So before they've before they've had breakfast, we measure then uh, they have their obviously have their breakfast. They often do a wellness score or, a, or a, um, uh, an internal load monitoring. Whether so, how did you sleep? You know, what were the conditions like? You feeling okay? What's your mood like? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, and then afterwards, uh, you know, once you're on the bus, I do a we do a. a, a do you do a pre, -to pre going to the toilet weight? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, well, we, we generally try and that take can be them. significant when you weigh 66 kilos. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and, and these guys, you know, you know, they're locusts, so they, yeah. they, they, they offload a significant volume. You can see when they've had a muffin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we try and tell them to, to, to keep it as standardized. It's difficult to obviously do that uh, on the move and when you're continually packing suitcases and trying to get out of a hotel. But uh, for them, but we, we try and say, listen, try and keep it as uniform as you can. Your midstream urine the first thing in the morning, um, and if you can try and get the bring it to me, or I'll collect it as soon as possible. Um, and do you look at riders sometimes and go, wow, like subjectively as a doctor with your experience, go, that guy's looking knackered today? Is there sometimes a subjective opinion there? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's my first thing. Yeah. You, you know, you and you can often see it on the bike, uh, and you you get to know your riders. You know yeah. that you know their their ins and outs, and you know, yeah. okay, hang on a second, this guy's going a little bit south. And that, which is why it's important as well is that that we as doctors have our own riders assigned to us, but we also have to work with other other doctors' riders. Yeah. And the benefit of of, of working throughout the year and traveling with the team uh, is that you you will get exposed to every single rider on that on that um, on that on that on the squad. So you you get to know every rider uh, ins and outs. Obviously, your own riders you know you know better. Um, so you're more an advantage if you if you have your more of your riders on 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 a tour. Um, and then, and then you know, you, we do a pre a pre stage weight, um, and then finally after stage we do a post stage weight. So they do, they're getting three daily weights, oh. and and the, the 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 importance of the weight is also we want to see whether or not they obviously you worry if a rider is losing too much weight. Yeah. In a grand tour, particularly, um, you know, their power to weight ratios change. They, you know, are there, is it something to do with uh, nutrition? Um, eventually, at the end of the day, what's going to suffer is their performance. Um, and we also look as to whether or not, you know, 
are they replacing enough? Are they getting enough uh, food on the bike? So generally, if he's losing three to four percent of body weight, often they lose more. But you you start you, you need to start documenting that per day. And, they can lose more. Yes, after a stage, they can wow. lose sometimes six seven percent of their body weight. Bro, it's six um, hours, and if you're sweating at one and a half liters. Mm. And you're only replacing 500. You've, that's six liters in theory. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's not. So, in, yeah. That's. I would. Ex, I would have expected three to four percent as the yeah, average. As the average, and often, yeah. often it's more. So yeah. you, you just want to make sure that there's not a, a repeating or recurrent trend. And and either you know, it's, it's not. It's not only also fluid because you know the other other issues glycogen. So are they are they eating enough on mm. the actual bike? So is it on bike nutrition that they're eating enough? Because some guys, you know, in the heat of the moment, they forget and they don't eat a bar for three for two hours, for example. And, um, and they haven't thought about it. But now hunger starts to kick in. Oh, hang on a second, I need to eat something. Mm-hmm. But then you're playing catch up. Yeah. So so in this game, three weeks is long, but there's not a moment to lose in terms of of because if you miss a if you miss something, you've missed the boat and you're trying to play catch up. If that rider's dehydrated. It's not tomorrow I'm worried about. It's it's two, three days time yeah. where their fluid depletion is going to, they, they're going to hit a wall and, and, and that's going to be the end. So the weights are, are monitoring, uh, we get, we monitor that strictly and, and, and three times a day minimum. Um, and then and then that all gets fed back to the coaches and to the team and to the management and say, right, this guy's, he's going a little bit south. Let's just put him on the back for a little bit and yeah. and, uh, and and let the other guys do some, or rotate them through and, and, and not put too much pressure on them because for stage X on Friday, we need him. It's designed yeah. for him. Let's put him in the break, for example. You know, so so oh. it's you know every stage is 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 carefully monitored and, and calculated. You know, it's not like we pitch up on the start line like we do at the at the August cycle. I mean, the Cape Town cycle tour and slightly and, hungover, and slightly hungover maybe, and <laughs> and uh, and and ride and hope to do as best we can. Yeah, there's um, a there's a plan, is what we're saying. That yeah. you know, it's 220 k's. 50k of it is climbing. You know exactly what the energy cost is because you know the power output expectations. That's the yeah. beauty about cycling is it's a it's such a strong number sport that you yes. can actually model it perfectly, and everyone's doing that. Data centric, and you and yeah. you can use that data to explain to riders, and they mm. they get they, they they get insight into the the performance. You know, and a lot of these guys know the numbers, but a lot of the young guys who are kind of neo pros, etc., they're, they're not used to this kind of thing. Mm. And you see that in them, and 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 there's actually you see light bulbs going on when they're like, ah, oh, you know, actually, oh, I understand mm. this now. And so the team meetings on the bus, you know, those are people, you know. Whenever you get to the start of a race, you'll see that the the bus, all the buses stay closed for the first half an hour. No one gets off the bus. Uh, and who's in there? It's the doctor normally, the the director, the the two directors, um, and and the team, and the riders, and 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 uh, you know PowerPoint presentations are going on, and strategies, and 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 uh, Google Maps and Google videos are saying right, this is the cobble climb, this is the this is the ninety degree turn. There's a headwind or a tailwind coming from this. The weather's going on. Mm-hmm. There's all these parameters that have been worked out already. Um, uh, you know, and and, and uh, putting it all into place, and and going over the team strategy and saying, all right, you know, uh, Ross, today this is your role. You know, you you you've got to sit in the front and you've just got to you've just got to churn out numbers. And up till se- kilometer seventy five, yeah. you've got to protect Dan Martin, for example, because that's your job. And then then you can that's your job done. If you do your job, great. You know, then 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 you've done your job. And and it, but that is is a snapshot in one day, but it's a global build towards. Mm. towards and they know, for instance, how many calories they've they've got to consume in a day as well so you'll be working with the nutritionist and the people making the food saying i've covered a lot of uh, cycle events and i always think it's quite hilarious you see them in the morning they'll have breakfast and they'll have just a bowl of pasta for breakfast and then half an hour later eating again but there's this continuous cycle of eating between the stages that is if you were a normal person you'd weigh you'd be massively overweight but the, the the cost of of calorie cost is huge in those events isn't it massive i mean uh the average calorie 
use on on a for for a, a tour rider is you know and, and that goes for most races probably between three and a half to six thousand calories. Yeah, man, you know? uh, six thousand the mountain, six thousand calories just yeah. on the bike. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking just on the bike. Yeah, Never yeah, mind your yeah. basal metabolic yeah. rate and what you Plus need to function. Plus And how yeah. many? Yeah. I mean, yeah. just put that into sort of real man's terms. How many burgers is that? <laughs> You're looking at about uh, probably about. 10 uh, McDonald's hamburgers or Wendy's or whatever you want to look yeah. at. Yeah. You're, looking, you're looking at about 25 nice hours Snickers, 25 Snickers bars. Three, yeah. three slices of bread is 200 calories. Yeah. So 6,000 yeah. is 30, 90 slices of bread. So it's yeah. a loaf and a half of bread. And oh, it's like, more, yeah. 90 well, slices. Uh, but I don't know how many slices. How many slices? Bread, but, uh, I mean, 90 <laughs> slices. If like all you had was bread, bread, you'd be, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you, you know, you, you think you, 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 have, you have leeway or, and freedom to go and eat 25 Snickers bars. What yeah. a pleasure, you know, just yeah. to replace what you lost in the bike. So, mm-hmm. so the, the, the problem is, is volume. Uh, how, how, does, how do you use the doctor to ensure that the, the, the rider is getting uh, enough nutrition and enough volume in because no one can physically fit that amount of food in after a race. It just, you know, it, in, in one go particularly and, and, and over the space of, you know, 24 hours. So, so the, the, you know, the basic protocol is, is that we have the minute the rider finishes and, and it obviously depends where they finish, but we always have a protein recovery shake um, within the first half an hour of finishing. And then they get down uh, and, and on the bus we have our chef, we have a, a chef for, for the riders, unfortunately not for the staff, but for the riders. Um, and they will, they will prepare a bus, uh, a bus meal. Uh, which contains the necessary amount of, of protein and, and carbohydrate. For example, chicken sandwich? Uh, so a lot of the, you know, they're, they're diehards. They're, a lot of them, they just love rice and, and omelets and omelets with, with cheese and, and, uh, and a form of protein, chicken or, or ham or whatever it may be. Um, so high protein, not high carb. Both. Both. Okay, you you want to yeah, you make sure both, you, you want to make sure you're getting right. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you know you, you you've broken down a whole lot of muscle, and also you've depleted all your glycogen. So you, you need to replace all of that. Is and the one fifteen share it's the other. 50, yes. is it fifty fifty protein carb? No, it's more, a, more no, carb. it's, it's more generally carb. more carb. I'd say about mm. thirty grams of protein is a good bet, and about sixty to seventy grams of carb. Probably. Okay, yeah. Because um, what the carb does is it spikes the insulin. The insulin then potentiates the protein into the muscle. So the two kind of synergy work together. Mm. There's a synergistic, kind of, uh, yeah. yeah. And you you kind of just want to avoid uh, that that meal, particularly post race meals of heavy fats. Uh, you have olive oils and things like that, but th- things are not going to really sort of cause satiation because you want the guy to be hungry as well. So you're not going right. to go and give a banting diet after a after a you know a race like that. And then and then afterwards, you know, th- and then we have a 24 hour food room. So one of the hotel rooms is just 24 seven. It's a food bar. Churning up. It's, unfortunately, it's, it's one of the Swanier's rooms, but uh, they have guys walking at three o'clock, and you hear the crunching of muesli and things at three o'clock in the morning. But they have a fruit bar. There's a and it's it's healthy healthy food and high and often high caloric food. And then, and then you'll, they'll, they'll go home and they'll have, uh, they'll have obviously a chef-made meal, which is, which is now pre-designed. It's got every day, there's a menu. Uh, it's got the right amount of calories per, for, for, for riders. And, you know, the, the issue is, yes, like you were saying, if you and I had to go and do that, we'd, we'd come home heavier than yes. we actually, you know. Well, do they end heavier or lighter than when they started? No, 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 the majority of them will end slightly lighter. They'll lose. They'll lose. Overall. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two to five kilos, I would have thought, overall, for a 65, 70-kilogram yeah, so guy. It, it's very rider-dependent, though, because some riders are metronomic. They they will stay on the they start weight and they'll finish on that weight. Other guys will lose. And generally, the, the, the general sort of progression is that you lose. But uh, because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a catabolic 
yeah. state for three Net weeks. Negative. But know. somebody who weighs 62 kilos isn't going to lose five kilos because no. that's going to be a so, performance. Uh, well, that's the downer. thing you worry about losing muscle mass. Then, yeah. yeah. So they will get skinnier. You'll see, you know, there's the guy starting the tour. I don't, know, I don't know if you've seen the social media, but now it's all going around with Alejandro Valverde. Mm, He's yeah. looking skeletal. Yeah. yeah, and so you always worry, you know, like you know, you, because every rider's got an ideal power to weight ratio. So you you also don't want to start going under that. And is he yeah. going to be too skinny to last? Because I weeks? I worry. How do you achieve that skinniness without compromising your your, your performance? Performance. It's yeah. and that's that's different. I mean, Lance Armstrong next to Valverde and the other guys who finished the podium in these tours, he looked like a bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's Almost definitely something pulled. new now that is. It's just unbelievably skinny guys. Yeah. It's just vote pulls. Yeah. Chris Froome when he wasn't ill, like you know, he the, the guys are, yeah. It's all about and and that's again health versus versus you know mm, yeah. the, uh, the the, the it's risk a fine is, balance. Is, yeah. Tell us a little bit yeah. about some of the, uh, the things like sleep. How how much do they sleep? How much do you recommend they sleep? On an average um, day. So you know the, the problem with the in particular Grand Tour is that you're on the move. So. After a race, you hopefully if you've had a podium or, or there might be doping control, you know you you you're, you're often delayed and, and and so getting out of there is difficult. And if you're on a mountaintop finish, uh, you know there's extra time. You know sometimes yeah. there'll police there'll be a, a police uh, escort, but a lot of the time there's not, and you've got to wait for traffic, etc. And then a transfer to a hotel can be anywhere from ten minutes uh, to four hundred kilometers. Sure, you know so so and they're on that bus all that time. Yeah, ten or four hours. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, you know, obviously, you know, depending, we'll we'll try and obviously we've got team cars and 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 we'll we'll try and if some riders finish earlier than others, we'll send them home. We'll send them to the hotel earlier so they can get their massage done and get prepared, ready, etc. Um, and the rest of the guys will travel back in the bus. And by the time you get to the hotel, maybe it's seven o'clock in the evening, and then uh, and then everybody still has to have massage. Um, uh, and that takes probably an hour and a half. Uh, there's there's ward rounds. There's directors that need to go and speak to riders, etc. Riders will try and get to eat usually at the same time, about half past eight. Hopefully not later than that. Depends on on the hotel and where they are. And then uh, and then and then we'll try and get them to bed. And uh, usually half past nine, ten. Right. And we try and encourage sleep hygiene. So the problem with being a cyclist is you're alone because you're away from your family. And so one of the first things you do is, and with technology is on cell phones and FaceTimes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And you can't deny that. But um, what I try and encourage or, or, or discourage from the riders is that they don't watch TV and, and movies at night because these guys just bring their laptops or their iPads and they, they, they sit and they watch films. Uh, and often, if you're in a foreign country, you don't speak yeah. French or Spanish, for example, you'll you'll watch you'll you'll have a download of uh, you know a memory bank of of whatever film. So they sit there and they watch them. And the problem with that is 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 you know it's, it's messing with melatonin and, and circadian rhythms and sleep patterns, and and it may not affect you in the week one, but in week three it is going to affect you. So again, it's preemptive stuff. It's making sure that your build towards that is 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 looked after and that sleep hygiene is practiced. So and we have sleep so hygiene. So you tell them to read books and not iPads and watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How, how do they get themselves I, to sleep? I uh, I, I battle with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so generally, you know, thankfully the fatigue factor is often the the, the the most predominant factor in getting them to sleep. But some guys need, you know, they actually go into a system of overdrive where you you are, your body's so stimulated every day from that yeah. racing that you it doesn't switch off almost. You get to the mm. stage where you you just this, this this idling engine that 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 can't switch off. Um, and and so sometimes yes you know the 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 question of, of sleep medication often comes up yeah. um, and and you need to weigh that up and you need to say what what is this rider is this is this the more suggestible rider than other riders in other words does he have more sort of 
I say addictive in, in inverted commas, but does he is he more prone to, to getting used to these things and you need to give him higher doses versus some guys are very cautious. Um, and also how do they respond to those medications? So, you know, so, you know, like, uh, you know, muscle relaxants or benzodiazepines, which are, are, are used around the world every day in terms of muscle relaxation, re- reduction in anxiety, and, and obviously sleep. Um, they can they can have a hangover effects the next day or, you know, and then the last thing you want to do is have a hangover rider in inverted commas again and his concentration is not 100% and, and he goes down, for example. So you need to weigh it up and you need to you need to you need to know who you're dealing with so often with sleep you know if guys do need it the first thing we always prescribe is obviously just uh, pharmaceutical grade melatonin uh, which is the safest and healthiest way and, and often that works but some some riders say look you know at the end of the I'm in week two and a half now and it's just I, I can't sleep etc then I'll then I'll give something stronger absolutely right mm. and how long um, I mean how many hours do they sleep then uh, they'll sleep uh, you know usually Probably some guys close on 10, 11 hours. Um, sure. We try and let them sleep as late as they can. Because um, the stage is lost, obviously a lot later than they would be exactly, exactly. in normal so, amateur races. So if, if the, 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 the problem is the start the next day, if the start's close, often they, they can have breakfast at 9 o'clock and so they can wake up any five to nine. You know, we'll right. set it as late as possible. And then every day there's a schedule. So, and it says, right, I wake up at... And that time is the latest that they can wake up okay. um, and breakfast at until, and then suitcases in the bus at this time, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So there's a very strict protocol and, and, and program every day. Otherwise you arrive late at the start yeah. and, uh, and then, then there's trouble. So, and so we, we try and encourage minimum sort of nine, 10, 11 hours of sleep a night. Um, and, mm. um, and yeah, some of the, I often get, not often, but I do get woken up in the, in the middle of the night, the guy can't sleep. Um, yeah. We've had guys, you know, their partners have been snoring, They've moved their mattress out into the corridor and slept in the corridor, you know, things sure. like that. I've given up my bed uh, and said, well, sleep in my bed. I'll go and sleep outside. You know, the, at the end of the day, the, the recovery is, is, is absolutely paramount. And if you're not sleeping, which is a massive part of that, um, we have to prioritize that. Mm. I mean, that's the- Hygiene. That must be an interesting one to tackle when you're traveling to so many places, mm. buses, hotels, food. Very difficult. Um, yeah. And, and so, I kind of feel a bit like a school teacher when I'm there every day because, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm shouting at naughty children is, is every day wash your hands. And I, and I, on the bus particularly, it's, there's a toilet on the bus and, and so we have uh, copious amounts of, of hand gels, uh, you know, waterless and, 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 and soap um, that we are, and, and, and there's a lot of marketing basically. So have you washed your hands, et cetera. And, and, and we also encourage um, no touching of, of fans hands in fact so mm. a lot of riders will come up to the start and they'll hand high five the next thing somebody hasn't you know cleaned their hands properly you've got something on their hands next you go and reach in your pocket you have an energy bar and then we've gone yeah. and then we've got something viral and there's a diarrhea and then that stuff spreads like wildfire so you quarantine the guy when that happens absolutely that's the first so, thing you do you're okay you're sleeping on your own you're First, some the, guys love that. They'll, they'll yeah, fade yeah, in the yeah. just to get their own room. Yeah, just to, oh she's gonna yeah. get my own room but uh but yeah and absolutely and and, and that's again is the doctor's role is to, is to be vigilant of that and watch them and say hang on a second even this even this is a a functional diarrhea in other words it's not it's not from a it's not coming from a viral or, or, or organic cause a viral bacterial cause it's more of like a something you know, ate or well no it, it's more from a sort of like often a high high carbohydrate load mm. where you you get a massive osmotic gradient because the glucose in the gut it's it absorbs all the water and just shunts everything out they're not ill but they, they, they potentially become dehydrated, which is one thing you've got to monitor. But even if it was that, even if I don't know what kind it is, I say, the guy's about to diarrhea, off you go. And, and I'll phone ahead to the Swanier who's at the next hotel setting things up already. 
please separate a room or arrange get a separate room for this rider, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Hygiene in the hygiene of the nethers. I mean, I remember in the old days they used to use medical spirits and then take a towel afterwards and then mm. get in there to try and clean up. I mean, that's obviously mm. a high chance of things happening down there after three weeks of riding. I suppose professional riders, it's a, it's a daily problem, really, isn't it? How do you deal with that? Yeah, it is and it isn't because they, 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 you know, their perennial areas are are so conditioned. Um, you know, it's like us sitting in an office chair every day. You know, mm. we're just used to it and they are used to sitting on that small saddle. That's what they do for four or five hours of the day. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're not, they're, those areas are not callous, but they are, they are, uh, they're, they're, con- they're primed. In other words, they're, 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 there's a toughness to that yeah. skin. That said, they are, they are just as, as, as prone to getting saddle sores as, as your weekend warrior is um, uh, riding an epic, which yeah. is what we see. And you know, you've heard yeah. the bum, you've been to the bum clinic. The bum clinic as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nasty it, place it, to yeah, work. It is, and and <laughs> and it's uh, you know, and it provides a very very important function because it keeps guys in their saddles essentially. Um, and 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 the same thing with what happens over over a grand tour is, is because nobody tra- nobody trains like you race a grand tour. Yeah, you know, so you don't spend that amount of hours, even if you're a professional cyclist. So skin breaks down in the end, and so. Yeah, the the you know we don't use sort of uh, spirits anymore because you know if there is any broken skin they just they I'm yeah. going to be the one who's going to who's going to cop it in the end. Um, but but what we do do is is in the showers we have special betadine so uh, and iodine based solutions which are um, aseptic solutions and they they initially wash with that straight away. So my rule is the minute you get off the out of your off your bike you are out of your chamois. Uh, get your bib shorts off because uh, that warm, moist environment that is a is a, is a sort of a uh, already a, just a, 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 it's a, a dangerous experiment. environment for yeah exactly. <laughs> so you want to avoid that. Get out of your kit, get into a nice loose kit uh, and and clean quickly. And then obviously we do an inspection if there's something going on, and then we treat as necessary. Um, uh, whether that's just a basic cream or, or zinc oxide or something like that, throw in an antibiotic or an antifungal cream as well. Uh, and then whether something they may they may need some some steroid on top of that to to uh, to to diminish the the skin reaction. But the point is to try and you've got to get them back because where they you can't say we'll go and rest for two days. No, it doesn't no. exist. You know, no. you've got to keep them on the bike and. And where sometimes they need dressings, but the, the problem with putting a dressing under there is 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 that you're you're putting a, a dressing in an area that is really compromised for space, you know. So <laughs> so you don't want to go and fill that with more space, um, with more space occupying material. Yeah, yeah. So often a, a dressing can can cause more issue. Yeah. Um. So it might be a hard day for that rider. He's got to do a lot of climbing uh, out of the saddle stuff, but uh, but we get them through. We yeah. Get them through. So, so Adrian Rutuna, it's been a fascinating uh, insight into your job with these uh, teams. Uh, Ross, final comments from you? No, I just uh, really enjoyed the insight. Yeah. It's cool to have a perspective from inside the race. And obviously mm-hmm. listeners will hear this podcast during the tour, so you'll be able to watch it knowing that there's a fella in a team car uh, <laughs> fixing saddle sores and doing whatever else when you're not seeing the cameras on the, on the riders. It's, it's just been really good insight, I think, for... For anyone watching the tour, so thank you very much, Adrian. Adrian, you're 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 the thing you most look forward to at the end of all this. What do you what do you do when it's all over? Uh, the thing I look forward to most is, uh, yeah, I suppose it's after after the the hype and the pressure. It's uh, it's actually just it's breathing out. <laughs> um, I find for the three weeks you you hold your breath, and it's a nervous breath, and and uh, if things work out. You breathe out, you hug your family, 
and that for me is the moment. Um, and just getting home, and uh, it's a long, it's a long, it's a long way. Of, it's, a, it's a long month on the road, and yeah. uh, uh, ultimately, you're yeah, getting back to to home soil, and and just knowing that you've you, you've gotten hopefully eight guys through a three week race. That's that's the best we can hope. Eh? Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Follow the Science of Sport podcast at SportsSciPod and on Instagram at Science of Sport Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.